how you doing? And good afternoon. You done tuned in to the Life in Paradise podcast, honey. This is Shirley Q. Licker on behalf of Brandon Harper with the Life in Paradise podcast. You got the questions, he got the answers. Enlightening your day. So as they say in the friendly skies, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, homies? You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast, as Shirley Q mentioned. I got a few things to talk about today. Uh, I haven't put anything out since, I guess, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. It's Wednesday now, the 29th, 2020 of July. And I successfully made it through the first hurricane of 2020, Hurricane Hannah. It was coming right for Corpus Christi. And kind of at the last second, it turned south, which is kind of ironic because a year before last, we had Hurricane Harvey, and that was coming right for Corpus, and at the last second, it turned north. So I'm hoping that the next one we have does not smash dead into us, but there was no damage, or no real damage. Some docks were destroyed on the water, but uh, it wasn't like houses were demolished, so... Everything worked out okay. Uh, the power went off at the brewery. I mentioned that on the last podcast that it came on after like two hours. So nothing exciting, just a bunch of ruckus for a little bit of windstorm and a lot of rain. I'm going to start off today talking about professional sports. Um, I don't know why, but I've just never really been that into professional sports. I mean, growing up, I played football from third grade through 12th grade, and you know, I, I like to watch the Cowboys because my family liked the Cowboys and I knew the players on the team and I collected the cards, but I feel like that kind of ended like right around the time I was getting into high school. Uh, and I don't, I don't know why I just, well, I kind of know why, but, and ever since then, like it's never really, I didn't just care about that much. I mean, going to A&M, I used to like to go to the A&M games and watch them play, but I just don't understand sports fandom. I mean, I kind of get... You know, if you went to a college, keeping up with them. You know, I've got some friends, though, that the, like, if they're college of choice, I'm not going to name any names, don't worry. If you know me, you know who they are. If your college of choice doesn't win, well, by golly, you're going to have a bad weekend. And to me, that seems crazy. Like, there's no possible way I would let some ridiculous sports team affect my mood or my weekend. I don't care if it's a Super Bowl. I don't I don't care what it is. I mean, that's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that they can build that much loyalty. It's not like these people that I know played college sports. They just they went there. I mean <laughs> I don't know. At least they don't wear jerseys. I'll give them that. <laughs> if you're a grown ass man and you're wearing a sports jersey, I'm sorry, but I will judge you. I will. I mean, I will, I will make up in my mind the type of person that I think you are. I'm not going to treat you any different. You will never know what I'm thinking, but I will be thinking. And the thing is, I don't even have to say, I don't even have to describe the kind of person that wears jerseys. We all know them. And it's a, it's a funny characteristic. But, you know, we, we, we take these athletes, we put them up on this pedestal. We treat them like they're holier than thou. And then we get all confused when they screw up. 
or they get pulled over with, you know, 150 pounds of weed in their trunk. It's like we all of a sudden expect them to be different people than they used to be because they have a bunch of money. And that just goes to show you, like, you can't just throw money at people and expect them to change the way they live or to change their culture or to change their values or to change their morals or to change their priorities. Like, money does not affect those things normally. Normally, it doesn't. And the the most accurate example we have of this is professional sports. And, you know, these guys that, that are getting paid to... To, to play games, like literally, that's what, the, you know, they're getting paid good money to, to play games. And I don't knock the amount of money that they make, you know, whatever the market supports, I agree to pay them. If people are willing to pay to watch them, then you got to pay them to play. That's just how it works. So I realize that I'm in the minority. I totally understand that. It doesn't really change my opinion. But yeah, so we take these thugs, we put them up on a pedestal. And then when they screw up, we're all surprised, you know? You feel like I feel like we would learn. I feel like after about the I don't know 150th person that gets gets arrested, we should think maybe we should stop worshiping these guys. Maybe we should teach our kids like who the most powerful scientists are, who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, all about Elon Musk, Steve Jobs. Like those are the nerds we should be worshiping, not 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 the guys with 150 pounds of weed in the truck or their Bentley. Come on, man. And I totally realize that there's a there's a sports watcher and there's like an extreme fan who like paints his face in his living room on game day and there's everyone in between. So, you know, if you if you're a fan of sports, I'm not knocking you. I'm not I'm not knocking you. I am knocking the people that go take it like a little bit too extreme. Like the people who live and die by sports who will reorganize their entire weekend so that they can sit and watch sports all day on a Saturday. Like, to me, that seems so ironic and, like, counterproductive is that, like, I'm so into sports, I'm going to give up doing anything outside, and I'm going to sit on my couch and watch other people all day on Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> I feel like if you could rewind time and show that to someone in the 1800s, they would be like, uh, what? Why don't you just go play the sports? That's just not, it's not how we work. And what else is funny is that sportscasters... Uh, from what I can tell now, I, this isn't a super accurate representation because the sample size isn't massive, but from what I can tell all the sports shows and sportscasters, I feel like they've gone from statistics and talking about sports and analyzing them to like focusing on the drama that surrounds the athletes and court cases and being traded and being drafted. And I get that trading and drafting is all part of the game. But I don't know. Is that correct? I mean, if you're a sports fan, is that uh, have you seen that shift? I feel like people used to argue about who was the better fullback and why. Like I picture two old men, you know, sitting at a barbershop comparing stats, you know, between Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. I just don't for some reason. I just don't see that today. I don't see that happening. Another phenomenon to me is what fantasy sports has done and what it's done to professional sports. I feel like it's it's taken the team aspect to, to a lower level and it's become about specific players and the numbers that they can produce in order to help fantasy teams. I feel like a player's stock is more based on how they perform as an individual and not how they contribute to the team. I don't know, just an observation. Well, Gypsy had her second trip to the overnight emergency clinic the other night. I don't know what happened. It was a weird deal. I thought she had bloat, which is where they're... Um, 
their stomach could get twisted and it could cut off the blood supply and they can die quickly from it. So she refused her food, which is very odd for her. She wasn't excited to play fetch, so I could tell she didn't feel right. And then I, so I just kind of watched her. And then about two or three hours later at about 1130, I go to get her up or, you know, I go to get up to go to bed and she wouldn't stand up. And it's not like her. She's the kind of dog that if I stand up to walk out of the room, she pops up with me, no matter if she's in a dead sleep or not. So I stand up. She didn't get up. I call her. She didn't get up. Called her a little bit louder. Finally, she stood up on her front legs, and she couldn't operate her back end. I was like, uh-oh, something's not right. And, I mean, I know a lot of people just wait till in the morning, but, you know, if it was bloat, she wouldn't have made it that long. So she had a hard time standing up. I scooped her up, threw her in the truck. She rode in the back seat like a perfect little angel. And normally she has to ride in the kennel in the back of the truck. But I knew she was sick and figured she wouldn't be trying to climb all over me while I was driving. And I was right. She just chilled and slept in the back seat. But I got her there and it's like, I guess it's COVID, right? So you can't even go inside. You know, this girl, like not even a vet tech. I mean, I think she's like a receptionist, probably 24 years old. Comes out with like the stretcher and tries to like tie her down to it. I'm like... Look, you can't, this dog is not going to let you tire down to this thing. First of all, you should probably get a muzzle. You know, that particular breed of dog, they, um, you know, their way of telling you is just biting you. There's no communication really other than a quick bite. And so luckily she's not like that. She's not quick to bite, but she doesn't like anyone poking around or prodding her like in her abdomen area. She does not like that. And so I was like, look, if you got to take her in there and I can't be around and you're going to try to strap her down to this thing put a muzzle on her. So they went and they got a muzzle. They put it on her. And so we're, you know, strapping her down to the stretcher. And the girl's like, okay, so you said she has blood? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not a vet. I don't know what she has. But she can't hardly use her back legs. She's panting and she won't eat. Okay. And then so like, I give her a bunch of information. I go sit in my truck. I wait. 30 minutes later, my phone rings. Hello, I'm just calling to get some information about Gypsy. I'm like, yeah, I just gave it to the girl who wheeled her in. Okay, so when was the last time she ate? I was like, I just told all this to the person who just took her in. Yeah, I just need to get this information. I was like, oh my gosh. So I go through it all again. You think that was it? Nope. The vet calls me. Hello, this is Dr. So-and-so. I'm just calling to get some information about Gypsy. I said, look, I've given it to two people. I'll be happy to give it to you too, but you might want to check the system. So I go through it with her. She's like, okay. And I said, hey, hey, I'm just sitting outside my truck. Can I just go home? She was like, yeah, sure, you can go home. So I go home, the phone rings, she calls back. She's like, well, she's got a torn ACL on her knee. I was like, what? She wasn't even limping. She's like, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure it's torn, but we're going to sedate her, take x-rays and check it out. So I was like, okay, but that just does not explain her not eating. You know, I feel like that she's the kind of dog, if she, if she busted her knee, she would still eat. If she ripped her leg off, she would still eat. Those dogs have a crazy high pain tolerance. They're very stoic and they love food. So I don't know. It didn't make sense. I end up going to pick her up the next morning, $570 later. They're like, no, we did x-rays. There's no fluid around the knee. Normally, if there's a torn ACL, it'll be fluid up, and she's not swollen. So she seems to be fine, though, so take her home. <laughs> and I was just like, man, I don't know how many clinic trips I've had that worked out that way. I feel like more often than not, it's like, well, we don't know. Here's some medicine to keep an eye on her. So, yeah, I don't know. Better safe than sorry, I guess. I have the freaking insurance policy on her, so I guess I'll have to make a claim or whatever. But, yeah, that's how I spent my Saturday night, I guess. It was from, like, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. You know, one thing that I've seen um, throughout this pandemic 
specifically the uh, stimulus and bailout money that went out, is that, you know, everyone sits around and they complain about people taking advantage of systems, social systems, whether it be the food stamps, the welfare, the unemployment, the disability, what the list goes on forever, right? So there's a small group of people who complain about that. What I find funny is that the people who are complaining about the people that are taking advantage of those social systems, a lot of them are now taking advantage of the social systems put in place to help businesses and stimulus checks and all that. And so that's what I've always said. Like you can't, you can't blame the people for taking advantage of the system. You should blame the system for being there and having enough loopholes to be taken advantage of. But I just wonder why we don't get after the government for, for allowing itself to be taken advantage of, of course, for COVID stimulus and, and bailouts, but also for the things that have happened since social systems started, right? I mean, we have to admit that there's lazy people out there, right? There's people out there that work really, really hard. There's guys out there like Bezos who like slept in his office for however many years and worked for nothing and just worked his tail off and Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and Michael Dell and Bill Gates and these people that, man, they put in work. Like, yeah, they're mega wealthy, but it wasn't because they just woke up and had an epiphany. It's because they worked for it and they had an idea and they pushed and they pushed. So, so we have those types of people. We also have the people that are content sitting around in a dilapidated house, okay? Now, I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm simply stating that there are people out there that are okay with that. And they may say they're not, and they may act like they want to change. And, and I'm not saying that everyone is like that, but there are people like that. And, and I think we're, for whatever reason, we're getting away from admitting that. We are instead making excuses why there's poverty and why people won't work. I'm of the opinion that this country is set up for people who want to work. If you want to work, you can find work. If you have to start out working for minimum wage, you have to start out working for minimum wage. If you're a hard worker, you can increase the value of your work and you can work your way up. And there is plenty of room out there. Now, if you only plan on working for someone else and you never work for yourself and you start out working at minimum wage when you're 18 years old, then of course, you're probably not going to be flying around in a private jet. But I guarantee you, the people out there that started working at the grocery store when they were 18, and if they stayed with the grocery store, and they worked hard, and they tried, and they were mentally able, they're making good money by the time they're 30. And and that's what this country's set up for. And I feel like we really should crack down on the the laziness and, and take away the hand that feeds them. I mean, we have no problem telling, like, if... You hear your mom talking about, oh, that old Betty Sue, you know, she's got a good for nothing son. He just takes advantage of her and lays around the house and, you know, watches TV all day and smokes up marijuana. We got to do something about him. And I keep telling her, I keep telling her, stop giving him money. Don't let him sleep on your couch. You kick his butt to the curb and he'll straighten up. So we have no problem telling our neighbors that or our friends or our cousins. But collectively, if we single out all the lazy people, and say the same things about them, then we're like incompassionate, inconsiderate, no heart having privileged individuals. What a hot button that word is right now. Privileged. Who would ever thought, who would ever thought that word would change meanings like it has over the last five years? 
Yeah, words words change meanings. Apparently, Nazi. I mean, the word Nazi that that should be reserved for like the most heinous of hate, racism, skinheads, white supremacists. Those guys are Nazis. If you disagree with the social system, you're not a Nazi. Not in my book. Because if that makes you a Nazi, what's worse than that? If you're going to call that guy a Nazi, what are you going to call the guy who burns crosses in front yards? Right? We have to reserve the bad words for the bad people. Okay, I digress as usual. My whole point is that we need to be more discerning. We need to be more scrupulous with, with the money of other taxpayers. I mean... The people that are doling out money, it's not their money. So what motive do they have to, to take care of it? And there's just so much waste in the government. And since it's no one's money, nobody cares. You know, I almost feel like the president should come in and instead of like targeting different organizations and, you know, take cutting money from this and over here and over there, just cut everything across the board. We're cutting everything by 20%, okay? There's going to be layoffs. We're going to quit buying paper clips. Bring your pins from home. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen how every government operates, but I've seen real closely how the government in Nicaragua operates. And they're real tight because they don't have any money. So the more money you have, the more wasteful you are. And we don't hold anyone accountable to, to manage that or to thwart that. But yeah, I mean, you know, one of my rules at the brewery is I don't buy pens. There's too many free pens out there. You can go to the bank and get pen. Everywhere you go, everything you sign, everywhere, they have branded pens. It's marketing. And I always say, hey, can I have this pen? At the bank. They have a whole cup full of pens. They're there for people to take. I say, hey, you mind if I take two or three? No, no, go ahead. So I've got a huge cup in my office full of pens. I give them out to people. I don't care. I'll let them take them, but I'm not buying them. But going back to the, the government situation, I mean, I don't understand why we can't have a... Instead of just giving people the money have a government-based work program, I think at least we could get something in return, right? So we find the people that we think are taking advantage of things and we find things for them to do. And the minute that they quit doing them or they don't show up or they don't try, that's it. They lose their benefits. There's got to be things out there that, that people can do, right? They can uh, sit in offices and stuff envelopes. They can mail things out. They can. There's all sorts of things that need to be done that we're probably paying someone you know, $15 an hour for that, that we could pay nothing that we're already paying to get by. I, I, I see nothing wrong with that. You know, like instead of just getting all your money for free, you now get half your money for free. The other half you have to earn. The minute you don't show up, the minute it all gets cut off. It's like bust a bit. You're either going to make a little or you're going to lose it all. Okay, I'm going to describe a scenario and I want you to think about the answer. Okay, here it goes. I walk into my garage, I flick the light on, and I see a little baby dove. Not too little, but about half the size of a full-grown dove. And I can tell that it's kind of injured, it's hop, hop, hopping around, and all of a sudden I look down and I see Bentley sees it, and boom, I grab her collar. And I'm like, okay, I have two choices here. I can throw the dogs out, and I can save the baby bird, or I can let Bentley chase down and catch the baby bird. And then I can get it from her, or I can just let her have it, or I can let her eat it. Or The two choices that I was faced with instantly was throw Bentley out, catch the bird, and save it. Let Bentley catch the bird and see what happens. Think about your answer. Text me or email me, and then I'm going to read it out on the next uh, episode. And right now, you can email me at 
Brandon at NuasisBrewing.com. That's N-U-E-C-E-S Brewing.com. I feel like that was kind of a commercial. Brandon at NuasisBrewing.com. They say you got to hear something three times before you remember it. That's Brandon at NuasisBrewing.com. N-U-E-C-E-S. Okay, time for the COVID update. I'm trying not to talk about it too much because I know everyone's sick of hearing about it. I'm just going to read a headline and then I'm going to kind of dive into it. But I want you to think about it as I read it. Okay, quote, as COVID-19 cases surge, many Americans are ignoring health guidelines with beach days and vacations. Pretending coronavirus doesn't exist will just stretch it out longer. End quote. (laughs) Does that make sense? Pretending it doesn't exist will just stretch it out longer. How, how so? Because pretending it doesn't exist will make it spread like wildfire and will get it over faster, right? What am I missing? Throw, throw away right now, just for a minute, just for, if you can, just a split second of how you feel about it, whether or not we should open up, open too soon, blah, 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 none of that. Don't worry about it. Just think about this statement and never, never land. Pretend it's not even the U.S., Okay. As COVID-19 cases surge, many Americans are ignoring health guidelines with beach days and vacations. Pretending the coronavirus doesn't exist will just stretch it out longer. (sighs) I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this deal. I have no idea. I'm not going to call it a scam. I know it's real. I know people are dying. It's crazy how polarizing this thing has gotten. You know, I was talking to someone today and I said, man, had someone asked me a year ago, you know, what I think could pull our country together, which was polarized, right? It's been polarized for a while now. Uh, Starting in 2008 is kind of what I, what I feel like anyway. uh, So if you would have asked me that a year ago, I would have said something, ah, man, I don't know, like a a pandemic, like something bad where we all have to band together and, and, and come up with a solution and win it. And look, it's not, it's like the opposite, you know? So I, what would it take? Like a, another attack. I mean, 9-11 killed, what, three, 4,000 people, something like that. And we pulled together and we were ready to fight and kick some ass. And like the coronavirus is killing thousands of people per day. And we're all fighting about it, which I'm just making a statement. Like, I just think it's odd. Like, I understand why we're fighting about it. I get it. I don't know how it got here. It's like slowly, like the frog in the water. The water is getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Before the frog knows it, the water's boiling. He's done. Not to be doom and gloom, I feel like the dollar is, I don't want to say about to collapse. I, like, that's so powerful. Oh, the dollar is going to collapse. Like, that is a huge thing. So I, I don't want to say that. I am going to say, I just bought a bunch of gold. And if you look at the price of gold, it's going up like crazy. People are fearful. People who understand financial institutions and markets and vehicles, they know what's happening. And maybe they could be wrong. The price of gold has never been this high, so they've never thought this before. All I'm saying is that I think we're headed for some serious inflation, and and that means the the devaluation of the dollar. So I'm not going to recommend what anybody should do. I don't give financial advice, but... In times like that, it's good to hold debt, and it's good to hold things like gold. So just keep that in mind. I mean, watch closely. Like, If something like this happens, I don't know if it's going to happen overnight. I don't know if it's going to happen over a five-year period. I don't know. But I do know that no superpower has reigned for more than 250 years. 
I think we're at 244. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. It depends on whether or not you expect a, a trend or you expect an odds breaker. Either way, you can look at the numbers and you can say there's a ton of debt out there. Money's been really cheap for a long time. So people have been borrowing, borrowing, borrowing since I think it's like since 9-11. You know, that's kind of when we just dropped the interest rates and they never really came back up. So there's tons of debt out there. That's one thing. Another thing is that with the um, interest rates so low that uh, the, the Fed can't do anything to entice borrowing and spending, right? So one of the things that they do is that they control the interest rate. They control the rate. The, the Federal Reserve Board controls the rate at which banks can borrow money in order to loan out. So there's the Federal Reserve. They acquire money either through the, the selling of debt or the, the creation, they push a button and they have more money, then they can loan that to the banks for, for an interest rate. Then the banks turn on, they loan that out to people, and then they invest that, and then they start sandwich shops, and they buy all the equipment, and they buy all the ingredients. So that's how the money starts to kind of move around. But when you don't have money available to be borrowed, the, it's hard to have a lot of growth. And so what the Fed does is they balance out that interest rate you know, so that we don't grow too much and then have all of this unsupported debt. Like So there's a bunch of money that's being loaned out there, but the value of the things doesn't cover that amount of money. That's kind of the simple way of explaining it. So now let's just say that we wake up tomorrow and no one is making what they used to make, right? The labor prices are going down, everything's going down. So now, you know, I can't afford to pay the mortgage on my house and my banker can't afford to do this. And so it trickles uphill, you know, just like it trickles downhill, Whenever there's a bunch of money out there being moved around, it starts from the Federal Reserve and it goes down. The opposite holds true whenever money stops coming in and it trickles back up. So I don't know. All I know is that uh, 33% of America missed their housing payment in July. That's a huge number, if you ask me. That means one out of three people didn't pay their mortgage. Now, is that just because they didn't want to? Is that because they couldn't? More than likely, it's because they couldn't. So it will be very interesting to see what happens in August. And I've, I've been saying all along since this COVID thing started, it's not the disease we have to worry about. It's the people's reaction to this thing and what effect it's going to have on our economy. It's funny because economists are sitting here screaming like, guys, you got to open the economy. You got to do something. And doctors are over here screaming, we can't open the economy. We got people dying. So there's got to be some happy medium. There's got to be something in the middle there because... It's uh, the, the way our economy is set up like this is not sustainable. It won't work. It will not work. And then when it happens, we're going to sit around and wonder why. Well, what, what could we have done different if we would have just slowed the curve? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But, um, you know, s- slowing the curve or stopping the spread, if we don't have a vaccine, there's no point in doing that other than to not overload the hospitals. Okay, I'm not going to go down the COVID road. My whole point was that just be very astute and pay attention to what's going on in the financial markets. It matters. And that's not just the stock market. Go do some research and understand how a government-issued bond works. You know, just one item per week. Allow yourself to, to get interested in, in something that matters instead of like scrolling. You know, I deleted Facebook from my phone. One of the best things I ever did. Like my screen time went down, like no joke, like three hours a day. I was wasting three hours a day scrolling, commenting, getting mad, 
feeling you know this dopamine rush, negative, fighting and arguing and never winning anyone over, never making one bit of difference, never changing anyone's mind, just satisfying my own brain's little dopamine rush for absolutely no reason. That's time that can never be claimed again, can never be regained. It is gone. I, I would love nothing more. And I don't say this about many businesses, but I would love it if everyone just deleted Facebook and just stopped. And I would love to see Zuckerberg squirm. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's had it so good for so long. He's got no competition, which whatever, good on him. But I want to show him that like, hey, bro, you're, you're not as powerful as you think you are. The people are the power. Power to the people. And one more thing people aren't talking about is the lost revenues that cities aren't getting, right? So, you know, things like this take a while. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. Cities don't figure out how much money they're not making. So in New York City, tax revenues dropped by 23% in April, 32% in May, and 46% in June. I'm going to read that again. In New York City, tax revenues dropped 23% in April. Now, this is sales tax. This is people who spend money and pay the 8% back in taxes, right? 23 in April, 32 in May, 46 in June. That's almost 50%. I don't know the dollar amount and it doesn't matter because they will not be able to regain it without help from the federal government. So all this stimulus money that's going to help consumers and waiters and waitresses who are perfectly healthy and have had the COVID and have recovered and they're sitting at home, there's going to be another round of people who need it. And that's going to be local governments. That's all I'm saying. That's my side of the story. I'm all, all I say is all I know. I don't know no better. This morning, I went to um, one of my favorite places in town. And it's going to sound silly. You're going to think, what's so special about that place? Hose of South Texas. Uh, no, no. H-O-S-E. So Hose of South Texas is a uh, family-run company that's based in Corpus. I think they're in a few other um, markets as well. But they're, they're an industrial vendor and all they do is sell hoses fittings and parts and clamps and you know you think about that and you think well man like how many hoses and fittings and clamps can there be um yeah infinite there's an infinite <laughs> infinite amount uh, this place is probably 20 or 30,000 square feet and every fitting you can think of and it's like all well half of the building is on display the other half is in a warehouse so you only get to see half of it but i had to go get some connections for some water hoses and stuff at the brewery and i absolutely when it comes to something like this i do not want to go to home depot i don't want to go to lowe's and here's why because the experience at hose of south texas is so much better i don't know what the price difference is i don't care it does not matter we're talking about a few dollars probably you know there's a 37 dollar purchase and I'll happily drive 20 minutes clear across town. You walk in, you go, and there's a big counter area. A bunch of guys are sitting at the desk behind the counter. And that's like, I love that setting. I love the guys that sit behind the desk and they drink coffee and they, man, they know their product. They know everything there is to know about hoses and fittings. And, you know, here's the Home Depot experience. Oh, go look around. Uh, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me where the, um, the brass NPT uh, fittings are? Um, well, what are you trying to do? I, I just need to know where the brass fittings are. So he goes, well, they're over there in aisle 16. Okay, so I walk down to aisle 16, look for them. Nope, they're not there. I look around. Okay, I find them. They're on aisle 12. So 
I look around, I can't find exactly what I need. Maybe I can use this part to make this and this to do that. You know, I can, um, yeah, they don't have this, but I can get this adapter. And a guy comes up, how are you doing? Can I help you? No, you know what? I got that wrong. No one's around. I have to go look for someone. I hunt them down. I say, excuse me, sir, uh, do you work in this department with these brass fittings? Well, I can try to help you. What do you need? Well, I need to replicate this right here. Hmm. Well, let me look here. Um, what, what's it going on? What's it for? And I'm just, I want to say it doesn't matter. Just, just do this. Just tell me. And I always end up saying to the guys at Home Depot, Lowe's, hey, hey, look, dude, if you don't know where it is, like, please don't waste my time. You know, I don't, I can read the shelves. I can, I can do that. But unless you know, if you have these fittings, I don't need your help. I'm not that, I'm not that blunt, but that's how I feel. So, you know, you spend an hour and you leave there and you have half the stuff you need. Then you try to get online and figure out what you need. And, but nope, not at Hose of South Texas. You walk in there, you say, I need to replicate this. Okay. All right. Uh, you have a fitting in here that it's an adapter that you don't need. Do you, do you want to replicate that too? You want to have the same exact setup? Does the size matter? No, no, it doesn't matter. It can be shorter. Okay. Here, take this one. Yep. Put this here. Connect this to that. Yep. Here you go. Okay, awesome. I need one more of those. Okay, grabs one more, more of everything else, puts it together, puts it on the counter, hands me the bill, $37.18. I walk out. I love shopping at places where the salesman knows infinitely more than I do about whatever it is that I'm buying. I despise trying to buy something from someone that I admittedly, I don't know much about. So I'm relying on someone to like guide me through this. Like I know, I know where I want to be when I'm done. I just, I'm not quite sure how to get there. You know, I remember one time I was buying like a TV at like Best Buy or Circuit City or something. And I remember asking him, I don't, I don't even remember the details now, but I'm like, what's the difference between X and Y? He's like, well, X, uh, you know, it's a little bit earlier in the alphabet. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So if, if you don't know really what I'm asking, that's okay. Like I can, I can look it up on my phone and, and figure it out. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't really know. And then they're like, read the tag to me. I'm like, oh, okay. We, you all know what I'm talking about. You've all been there. It may not frustrate you as much as it frustrates me, but you know exactamente what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I prefer the uh, Hose of South Texas experience. I mean, from now on, if I can find a specialty store, uh, I'm going there. I, I, you know, I said, like, I remember, I think 10 years ago, I said, when this economy turns around, there's going to be, actually, it was, uh, it was right around 08 when, when everything was crashing. And Walmart blew up. Walmart, that's when Dollar Generals started taking off. And I said, you know what? Like whenever things turn back around, there's going to be a market for people that are willing to pay for better service. (laughs) I may have missed the mark because they're not springing up everywhere and more box stores are popping up. But man, I wish there would be a resurgence of like mom and pop hardware stores. And um, I talked to my cousin Scott, who I always like, pitch my business ideas to. I'm like, dude, we need to open up like a mom and pop hardware store that's like hipster hardware, like get to know your people. And we only hire people that know exactly what they're talking about, like retired old men that have been plumbers their whole life. He was like, yeah, my buddies tried it. It failed. (laughs) They just couldn't compete with the price. So apparently price matters. You know, people, uh, now people are getting accustomed to bad service. It's just the way it is. You know, it's like cell phones. You know, how long have we been using cell phones and we're okay. They still cut out. They still cut out on you, just quit working, you know, on the interstate. And we're just like, well, my cell phone cut out. No, they should not cut out. We put a man on the moon for crying out loud. Surely we can make cell phones work. 
man, it's already 8 o'clock. What a day. Wrapping it up. I think that's all I have for today. I don't know if you can hear Bentley barking. She loves to bark. Ever since she was a little puppy, she loves to bark. I think that's it. I'm done. I don't have no more to say. That's all I got to say today. Thanks for listening so much. Appreciate it. Life in Paradise podcast. Catch us at the different time on a different day, a different week. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo.